of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrand. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for spending your time with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The big game is behind us, but the NHL is back in action, and now is your chance to win some money while you watch. Bet Online has lines, spreads, and props on every game this season, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether you're looking to place a bet on the NHL, the NBA, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. You believe. This week, we will discuss more developments in the WHL and recap the weekend in college hockey. But first... The nominees for the 2021 Hobie Baker Award have been announced. Over 50 players across more than 30 programs have been nominated for the most prestigious award in college hockey. The Hobie Baker Award is given to the player who represents the most well-rounded athlete in Division I college hockey. Let's run through the nominees. We'll go by conference and start with our friends over in Atlanta hockey. Representing AIC, Brennan Kapchek. Representing Army West Point, Colin Bielek. Representing Bentley, Yakov Novak, Canisius Keaton Master Donato, Mercyhurst is being represented by Jonathan Bender, Carson Briere, and Joseph Maziarz. Representing Robert Morris, Nick Pruksik, Grant Hebert, and Nick Jenny. And representing Sacred Heart, Ryan Steele, Braden Tuck, and Marcel Godbeau. Representing the Big Ten in Michigan, Kent Johnson, Cam York, and Owen Power. In Minnesota, goalie Jack LaFontaine. Notre Dame, Alex Steves. For Penn State, Alex Limache. Representing Wisconsin, Cole Caulfield, Dylan Holloway, and Linus Weisbach. In the ECAC, representing Colgate is Alex Young. And representing Quinnipiac, Odin Tufto, and Keith Petrozelli. In Hockey East, representing BC, Spencer Knight, Logan Hutzko, and Matt Boldy. For BU, David Ference. For UConn, Johnny Evans. For Maine, Adam Daw, Jacob Schmidt-Svestrup, and Edward Trailmax. In Merrimack, Declan Carlisle and Alex Jeffries. For Northeastern, Zach Solo and Jordan Harris. And for Providence, Tice Thompson. In the NCHC, representing Colorado College, Grant Cruikshank and Josiah Slavin. For Miami, Matt Berry, Ludwig Pearson, and Derek Dashke. For Minnesota Duluth, Nick Sweeney, Cole Kopke, and Noah Cates. In Omaha, Taylor Ward and Chase Primo. For North Dakota, Jordan Kawaguchi, Matt Kirsted, and Shane Pinto. For St. Cloud, Nick Perbix and VT Maintenant. And for Western Michigan, Ronnie Adderd and Ethan Frank. And for the WCHA, for Alabama Huntsville, Tyrone Bronte. For Bemidji State, Zach Driscoll. For Bowling Green, Will Cullen, Connor Ford, and Brandon Cruz. For Lake Superior State, Ashton Calder, Lucas Cabla, and Merrick Mittens. In Minnesota State, Cade Bortschert, Dryden McKay, and Nathan Smith. And finally, for Northern Michigan, Joseph Nardi. There's the list, Jess. Any guys you like in particular, and did anyone get left off that you think should have been included? Oh, never left off. It's nice to see some guys that, unfortunately, because this is fan voting, and I really don't think the fans should be voting on this. There's a lot of guys that belong here that most people have never heard of, like Noah Case, who plays for Minnesota Duluth. Unless you're a fan of that conference and that team, you haven't seen a really solid player. He's coming to his own this year, 6'2", 190. He's from Stillwater, Minnesota. He has come on each year with his things. I mean, last year he had 14 goals and 19 assists. So he can score. 
but he's also rounded out his game, improved himself defensively. It's not fair that guys from the smaller schools are not going to get as much, shall we say, fan support as, you know, like a, a Dylan Holloway from Wisconsin, you know, Spencer Knight from Boston College. Me personally, there's a kid that most people don't even know about exists, Brennan Kapchek. He plays for that wonderful school, AIC, which is American International. He's a 5'9", 170-pound defenseman. He's been a solid producer. He's more surprisingly solid as a defensive player, something you don't see for a guy his size. The committee has already begun to receive a lot of criticism, questioning the selections. The main issue seems to stem from the fact that a lot of people are upset that Minnesota, who at the moment is a top three team in the nation, only has one representative in teams like Mercyhurst, Sacred Heart, Colorado College. They all have multiple. And not to take away from those guys, like you said, Jess, those are all some great, fantastic players. The difference, though, and I can support Minnesota not getting more than one guy on here, can me actually attribute to the fact that Minnesota this year has one standout player, but they have one hell of a team that plays together. And every game, it's been somebody else who's had the solid season. I mean, you take Holloway, Caulfield, and Wiesenbach from Wisconsin. Well, let me ask you something. After that, who's on that team? You're not going to know. Guy like Shane Pinto. He's the only guy? Come on. The Hobie Baker is a no-win trophy. And it's now turning into more like a beauty pageant. Because it's not going to be the best player. It's going to be the player who gets the most votes. I really would like to see it go back and maybe have the college coaches voting on it. Having the fans do it kind of like the lower the value of the Hobie Baker now. That's a great point, Jess. And going back to Minnesota, I really thought guys like Sammy Walker, Sam Boranta, Ben Myers, I thought those guys had a shot. But like you said, every team's got a different setup and how they function as a unit. Obviously, Minnesota likes to share the level a little bit more, and that's what's kind of led to this. And to add to that, we got nobody from Clarkson, Arizona State, Denver, both UMasses. It really makes you wonder how this list got to be the way that it is. But I think we should focus on what we do have rather than what we don't have. Guys like Cole Caulfield, Odin Tufto, Brandon Cruz, Shane Pinto, they've got some star power to their name. I'm sure the committee doesn't need much convincing when it comes to them. As for guys with a little less star power, UConn has been working hard this year to come up, and Johnny Evans is slowly but surely becoming the face of that team. He's got a real good work ethic on the ice, consistent in his play. I like him a lot. And also, you'd be foolish to not count out the Michigan kids as well, whether that be Johnson, York, or Power. All three of them have brought eyes on the sport this year because of their big league potential. I think a lot of the excitement this year can be credited to those guys. So I wouldn't be very surprised if they also made it very far. As for some goalies, Dryden McKay has some incredible stats this season so far. He's 10-1 with a .82 goals against and a 960 save percentage. The only thing that I think that might get in his way are the number of games played. Hopefully they get to finish their schedule and McKay gets to be in the running. But let's be honest, there's so many different great options to pick from. But sometimes in life we find that the most likely solution is the simplest one. That to me means that Cole Caulfield gets the Hobie Baker Award. It just makes too much sense. He's got the name power, the great stats to back it up, and the good program to go along with it. I don't know, Jess. I think he's the easy pick. Next up, we have some more news about the WHL. The Dubs U.S. Division has received the green light to play and will begin their season on March 19th. 
like the Central Division, all five U.S. teams, Everett, Portland, Seattle, Spokane, and Tri-City, will only play each other to reduce travel. We are still waiting to hear on the decision to be made about the Eastern and British Columbia divisions. Well, Jess, we have some more info on the return of the dub. How does it feel to have some hockey back in Washington? What I'm kind of disappointed about, they're going to take the Winterhawks, which is actually the team across the river from me, and they're going to have them possibly play up in Seattle out of camp, which is where the Thunderbirds play, the Seattle Thunderbirds. You know, I think it's a defeat for the fans, especially the Winterhawk fans, who had a, an offseason of uncertainty because of the ownership going bankrupt and having new owners. They have a good team, and unless by some miracle they get them back on TV, Portland fans aren't going to see the team, can't go to the games, you can't see them on TV. How are you going to get support for these teams? It's five teams in Washington who, yes, got the okay to play. I mean, for me, it's one hour and a half drive up to Seattle. I don't mind. It's going to be a shame because I really think that the fans lose here. Seriously. Now, Jess, if I remember correctly, I believe you said on the show that getting the U.S. division cleared would be the toughest part about having the dub return to play. Now that the U.S. division is back, what do you think this means for the return of the Eastern and B.C. divisions? I'll be honest with you. I'll be surprised if the B.C. division actually gets a green light anytime soon. I'm watching from the British Columbia Hockey League, which is the Junior A League that plays in British Columbia. And they've had their regular season stretched back to March. I'm getting this feeling that if there's going to be anything for the BC division, which is we're talking about teams like uh, Vancouver, Kelowna, Kamloops, Prince George, Victoria, you might see that whole division moved elsewhere, probably into Alberta or even Saskatchewan where they might have it. You might see two divisions each playing in two of the provinces because it doesn't look like they're going to see any kind of support from the local provincial governments. All right, so now it's time for the college recap. Not a lot of movement in the poll, but we'll go over the big shifts. Only two teams moved down on Monday. North Dakota, who received one first-place vote, down one spot to number three, and Minnesota State down three spots to number six. Moving up are Minnesota Duluth and St. Cloud, both moving up one spot to five and four, respectively. And Minnesota moving up two spots to number two. The Golden Gophers bringing in 11 first-place votes. That means your number one team with 28 first place votes is still the BC Eagles. But let's go over the scores. Here's what we've seen as of recording this episode. Let's, as always, start in the Big Ten. Two sweeps this weekend. First off, Notre Dame putting on a show against Ohio State with 6-1 and 8-1 victories. And then we had a big upset as number 11 Wisconsin sweeps the weekend against number 2 Minnesota, following up a 4-2 win with a dominating 8-1 performance. In the ECAC, we'll start with an upset. Colgate shuts out number 13 Clarkson 2-zip Thursday night. Those two would tie 1-1 Saturday with Clarkson getting the shootout win. We also had number 12 Quinnipiac sweep St. Lawrence with 4-1 and 2-1 wins this weekend. In Hockey East, it was the weekend of the underdogs. First up, UConn upset number 14 Northeastern 4-1. Then we saw New Hampshire sweep number 20 UMass Lowell first with a 2-1 win followed by a 7-6 victory in overtime. 
Then we saw a split series in the Battle of Boston between number 1 BC and number 15 BU. The Eagles got their 4-3 overtime win in Chestnut Hill, and the Terriers take a 3-1 win in Boston. Finally, we saw number 16 Providence beat Merrimack 5-1. Game 2 will happen later today. In the NCHC, we'll start off with number 5 Minnesota Duluth sweeping Miami 8-1 and 3-1. Then we saw two split series. Let's start with Denver and number 9 Omaha. The Pioneers win the first game 3-1, but the Mavericks won't leave Denver without a 5-4 overtime win. Then in St. Cloud, the Huskies pick up a 5-1 win on Friday, but Western Michigan comes back Saturday with a 5-4 win in overtime. And in the WCHA, we had number 6 Minnesota State sweeping number 8 Bowling Green with a 4-0 shutout and a 5-1 win. We also saw number 18 Bemidji State tie Ferris State 3-3 with Ferris State getting the shootout win with Bemidji State coming back and winning the second game 7-2. Lake Superior State also scored a 5-4 overtime victory over Northern Michigan. They will also face off in their second game a little later today. And finally, some non-conference action. Two series and two sweeps versus number 19, Robert Morris, takes both games against LIU, 4-1 and 4-0. And Michigan Tech sweeps Alabama Huntsville, 3-1 and 4-1. That's a big weekend right there, Just A lot of action, a lot of sweeps, and a couple of upsets. What do you think? Well, you know, I think we're starting to slowly see some separation. The teams that are good, they're flexing their muscles a bit. And we're at that time of year where we're going to start seeing a serious jockeying for position. We got the usual Minnesota, North Dakota, Boston College, St. Cloud State is kind of a surprise. I think that we're not seeing some love being sent to some of these little schools like Robert Morris. Or again, I had a friend that's a big AIC fan. They've been so down for so long, for so many years. They're kind of like what the Clippers were in basketball. They play in the Atlantic Conference. Everybody thinks it's a weak sister. But I think they deserve to be ranked. I mean, I really think they're one of the top 15 teams in the country. They are 13-3. and three. They are 11-1-1 and one in their conference. They've won five straight games. I don't care what conference you're in. When you're 13-3, and three, you've won five straight that's somebody to talk to. And he can make a case also for Robert Morris, also in the same league, because they're not getting the love either. They're 14-5. and five. Wisconsin, 13-7. Minnesota, 15-5. Notre Dame, 10-9. You know, the usuals. Separation we're starting to see. I think I'm beginning to see a pattern where I come on this show, I say a team needs to get more love because they're doing so well, and then they'll start to lose. I've seen it happen with Bowling Green, Bemidji State, and now Minnesota, so I'll be careful who I compliment from now on. But let's touch on a few series here. I like seeing BU hang and even beat the best team in the nation. Eight games in the last month for the Terriers all against great teams. Luke Tuck scored two goals on Saturday. Alex Vlasic also had a nice weekend. They operated without Drew Comesso this weekend, and Vinny Duplessis, one of my new favorite names in hockey, just stopped 40 shots on Saturday for the win in his first game of the season. For a team that's missing a couple of big names like Comesso and David Ferentz, what a win for those guys. I also definitely have to address Minnesota dropping both games to Wisconsin. No, no, no. You know what? That's not a... That's not upset. That's people not paying attention to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's been this good all season long. Wisconsin deserves to be in the top five. Why they're not, 
I don't know. But if they're not next week, something's very wrong with the polls. I said last week how well Minnesota did at spreading the love, how they had so many different guys that could get it done. I unfortunately did not get to watch the games. Game one looks like a case of Wisconsin coming out hot in the third. I don't know how Minnesota looked all game, but from what I can tell, Wisconsin just wanted it more in that last 20. That's how game one was decided, but game two, man. Eight to one. You went through all three goalies and still lost eight to one. Eight to one usually isn't an accident, Jess. Dylan Holloway had a five-point night. Cole Caulfield and Ty Emerson had three points. Jack LaFontaine let up four goals in just over 20 minutes. I really don't know what to say. I know Wisconsin is a hot team. I know they've been playing very well recently. I just really had some high hopes for the Golden Gophers. To see them take a beating like this is really disheartening. It makes me wonder if they'll be a top five team come the next poll. Well, you know what? Because of my Ranger affiliation over the years, I've had, you know, Derek, Stefan, Ryan McDonough, Andre Miller. I've been following Wisconsin for the last 15 years. And the turnaround this year is remarkable. To see them ranked as low as 12th in the USA Today poll, I'm wondering, where are these guys doing? Yeah, they're 11-7. But look who they're losing to. They've lost to the top teams. But they've also beaten the top teams. They've got, to me, the hottest scorer in the NC2As and Cole Caulfield. I think he's up to like 13-game point streak, uh, eight, maybe nine games with a goal. This kid is unbelievable. It's weird how they just don't get the love that they deserve. So I don't call what they did to Minnesota an upset. I just think it's fair because I don't understand how Wisconsin is listed behind Michigan. And Michigan, they're a good team. But when the tournament time comes, you'll see Wisconsin in there. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for spending your time with us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care.